1: Grace is given to liberate us from those imperfect expressions of our flawed human nature. Grace breaks the chains that kept us enslaved to our human impulses and appetites and emotions and and all of those things. Grace is given to set you free to worship, to set you free to become everything that God intended. And the wonderful thing is that it's always available.
0: Just as a car with no fuel will not get you to your destination, you can't live out the Christian life without God's power. But thank God that he doesn't leave you on your own. Today, Pastor Robert teaches you that God gives you his power to transform you so that you can do everything he has called you to do. Stick around after today's message from Pastor Robert. I have quite a bit of information that I'd like to share with you. Our web address, Podcast, subscription information, and our contact information. Now, here's Pastor Robert in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, as he continues his message Spiritual Pride.
2: His love is
1: to have a proper understanding of grace is just critically important because a wrong understanding of grace, a misunderstanding, it's often led to like a distorted mindset, a mindset in which God's grace is viewed as a get out of hell free card. You know, I'm under grace, I'm not under law, so that means I can just kind of live for myself. I mean, I set my own goals, I pursue my ambitions, I can do whatever I want. It doesn't really matter. It's like the Gnostics in the first century thought, what what you do in the body doesn't count because you're actually spirit. So no, that's that's not what we're talking about. That's not grace. What grace means, the fact that you're not under law. You're under grace means that He's now written His law into your heart. He has imprinted His holy law, His perfect order for you and the rest of creation. He's imprinted your soul with His law. In other words, He's freed our souls from the chaos that's so prevalent all around us in this world. He's favored us, if you will, with an internal awareness of that perfect order which always proceeds from His presence. The way Paul expresses it in chapter 2, he says, we have the mind of Christ. What that means is that we have available to us, we have now access, literally, to the mind of Christ. It's, It's not something that we're able maybe to, you know, to appropriate all at once, but he's like, we're not supposed to be thinking like the world and like we used to think. We have the mind of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, Paul wrote, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You see, what grace does is it changes it. Grace transforms us. It's, it's that dynamic power of God that working inside us giving us life and changing who we are, transforming us from within, bit by bit by bit. What it doesn't do is give us a license to just live self-indulgent lives. It's not a get-out-of-hell-free card. That's not what it is. There's no grace to rebel. There's no enabling power of God to live a self-indulgent life. In the book of James, he tells us, you have not because you ask not or because you ask amiss because you just want to spend it on yourself. And God says, no, not going to help you do that. Not going to help you be spoiled. Not going to help you be self-indulgent, immoral. You know, there's no enabling power to live a decadent life. Grace is given to liberate us from those imperfect expressions of our flawed human nature. Grace breaks the chains that kept us enslaved to our human impulses and appetites and emotions and and all of those things. Grace is given to set you free to worship, to set you free to become everything that God intended. And the wonderful thing is that it's always available. I remember when it hit me. I mean, I I still remember one day I was feeling so guilty. I'd I'd only known Jesus for just a little while. And I mean, weeks, right? And I was in my store that I managed and and I had really just, you know, just getting started as a Christian. And I don't remember what I had done, but I was feeling so guilty and ashamed. And it's like, I can't believe, you know, he has forgiven me of so much and now I've done this. And, And then it hit me, wait, wait, wait. He knew that. He knew that I was, he knew how messed up I am. And he still saved me. He still poured out his grace on me. And all of a sudden, there was just this overwhelming sense of joy. This incredible revelation of, God, I don't deserve another chance from you. And it's like, no, you don't. But you didn't deserve the first one either. And I knew. I knew you're a slow learner. I knew that already. I knew you're going to take some lumps along the way. I knew that. When I called you to come to myself, when I called you to come and be consecrated, be set apart from the rest of the world, I knew it was going to take you a while. I knew that. So there's no grace to rebel, but there is grace when we fail. You see the difference? He says, listen, I'm not shocked that, You're still struggling in that area. He actually tells us at one point, you probably remember the scripture. He's like, be careful, you who think you stand. Be careful when you think, okay, I'm over that. I got it figured out. I'm beyond that temptation. I'm good now. Because you're setting yourself up for failure. We remain weak. And God knows that. But listen, Ephesians 2.4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he's talking about your spirit, spiritually speaking, you were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And then Romans 5, 6 through 10, for when we were still without strength in due time, in other words, in God's perfect timing, Christ died for the ungodly. It's so important to remember that. He died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So you see, no matter what you've done, your punishment was put on Jesus. He willingly allowed himself to be stripped naked, whipped, beaten by the Romans, and then to have those spikes driven through his arms and his legs. It's an amazing thing to contemplate. The King of Glory, did not he didn't have to put up with that. He did not have to subject himself to that, but he did it. And he did it because love. He paid the ultimate penalty so that all sin is forgiven, so that grace is given. So what do you do with it? What do you do with it? Will you trust him? Will you trust him? Not figuratively, you know, trust him with your eternity. I'm talking about trust him with everything. Everything. Trust him with everything. The practical things. Jesus said it starts with your money. We hate to hear that, and we always are suspicious, you know. So I always, always say, if you don't trust me or Calvary Chapel, Miami Beach, to give your tithes, your offerings here... And that's been your excuse. Well, let me take that away from you. Give it somewhere else. Pick a missionary, pick another church, but give it to God. Don't give it to the, I don't know, Save the Whales Foundation or something. Give it to Jesus. Give it, give it to the work of the Lord. Give it to the furtherance of the gospel, to the building of the kingdom of God. Give it, give it to him, but give it somewhere. Because until you surrender control of your finances to God, you're not trusting him yet. Jesus said, where your treasure, your heart will be there also. Time and again, he makes it clear in the Bible. One way you know whether or not you trust God is what you do with your money. It is what it is. So again, it's not about you giving here. It's about you giving to God. Make the decision, I'm going to trust you. From this day forward, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you with everything. I'm going to start investing of my time and my talents and of my treasures in your kingdom, Lord Jesus, help me to do that. Now, now listen. If you don't know him like that, then that's actually the first issue to be dealt with. You just need to tell him, "I want to know you like that."
0: for joining us today for Main Thing Radio. Pastor Robert will have more to share from this study in 1st Corinthians when you tune in again. For now though, you can explore more of Pastor Robert's teachings online at mainthingradio.com. Do you live in Miami? If so, you're invited to join us at Calvary Chapel, Miami Beach on Sundays for our weekly services. We meet at 9 and 11 a.m. and at 1 p.m. for worship and Bible study. If you're not able to join us in person, we would still love to have you be part of our church family. Join us online for each service. We'll be live streaming on our church website. You'll find out more and be able to connect at mainthingradio.com. Just click on About to find a link to our church homepage. We offer Spanish translation at some of our services as well. Visit our website to learn more. We'll also be streaming on Facebook Live. Just search for Calvary Miami Beach and be sure to like our page for the latest updates. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 305 531 2730. When you call, please let us know how we can be praying for you. That number again is 305 531 That's all for today. Tune in next time for more right here on Main Thing Radio.